are so thankful for the uh, many, many different people in this church that serve. And um, I just uh, want to encourage us as we go through this series to consider uh, how we may all um, um, do our part and serve not only in the church, but serve in the community. And so today, uh, last week, we, we talked around the question of why serve. And uh, today we want to talk about the heart of a servant. And I want to tell you guys a story. And, and the way it's written, I'm going to end up probably reading a lot of it because it's kind of written in that, um, well, I'll see if I can, I can do it, but um, that older, older English. And so here we go. During a terrible storm at sea that threatened every moment to carry the ship to the bottom, one of the crew, a ship's crew, was on the deck when a great wave struck the ship and washed um, over the deck. Striking the man with great force, disabling him and carrying him into the water. Although he was a good swimmer, he was so disabled that he could only keep above water. They saw him lifting his hand through the white foam, signifying his desire for help. But the captain said, don't lower a boat, for a no small boat can live in this sea, in this terrible storm. We, can, we cannot save the man the most we can do is save the ship. The vessel was bearing further and further away from the helpless man. Once more, they saw his imploring hand come up through the white caps further off, which moved all hearts that witnessed it. Still, the captain said that a small boat should not be lowered as it could not survive in the mad sea. But one of the men, who was an expert swimmer, was so moved by the imploring signals of the drowning man that he drew, threw off his loose garments and said, I will save that man or die with him. So plunging into the surging sea, he swam with all his might and reached the poor man just as he began sinking down unconsciously. He grasped him and brought him uh, near the ship that a small boat was lowered. And both men were taken up and laid upon the deck. Both men lay there unconscious as the crew worked to revive them. As soon as the rescued man opened his eyes and found that he was not in the ocean, his very first words were, who saved me? He was pointed to his deliverer, still lying on the deck in his wet clothes. He crept over to his deliverer and putting his arms around his feet, in the most tender and heartwarming tone of voice, cried out, I am your servant. I am your servant. He felt that he could never do enough for him. I read that story to us this morning to just kind of set the tone of the mindset I want us to all have uh, for this service. And here's, here's, here's what I want you to see. I want you to see yourself as the man who was washed into the sea and I want you to see Jesus as the one who rescued you. Because in reality, that is what happened. Jesus was the one who came and set us free from our sins. Jesus was the one who came and rescued us when no one else could. Jesus left his heavenly throne and came down to earth and rescued you and I when there was absolutely no chance of, the, uh, chance of us being saved by anything else. So like I said, last week we asked the question, why serve? Why should people serve? We said last week for three reasons. One, people need us. 
Okay, people need us, and you, you can minimize that, and you can dismiss that, but the reality is that in this room, we need one another. In this community, we need one another. People need us to serve. The second thing, again, we can easily dismiss this, but the second thing is we all need to be needed. So why should we serve? Because in all of us is a need to be needed. We, we all dislike it when, when we feel that we're worthless, when we feel that we have no purpose, when we feel that everything would happen even without us there. So all of us have this inner need to be needed. So one of the reasons that we serve, this is not the key reason, but one of the reasons that we serve is to fulfill a need within ourselves. Talk to anyone who never does anything for other people, I guarantee you they are pessimistic, miserable people. Because we all need to be needed. And when we know that because of my work, because of the service I provided, someone was helped, it feels good. I don't know about you, but I've, I've gone to places and served, and all the way there, it's like, oh, I don't really want to do this. And I'm not really excited about this. And then you're there, and it's not what you'd hoped for, or it's exactly what you expected. But isn't it amazing, usually at the end of the evening, maybe no one said thank you, but at the end of the evening, you drive home and you feel pretty good because you know that you did something for other people. We all need to be needed. And then the last thing that we talked about last week is that it's an act of obedience. We have been called by God to serve other people. Now, today, I want to look at the heart of a servant. What is the heart of a person? What, is, what should our heart be in order to be a servant? Here's, here's something that I think people can mistake pretty easily when it comes to serving. I think sometimes people mistake serving with a hobby. They treat serving as if it's a hobby. You see, hobbies are meant to help us relax. Hobbies are meant to be enjoyed. Hobbies re-energize us. Hobbies are unique to us. In this room, there would be many, many different hobbies, and the reason you have the hobby you have and I have the hobby I have is because we are all wired differently. And so, you know, some of you, it's like, well, I like doing this, and the next person would be like, oh, my goodness, I could never do that. That would be the worst thing I could ever do with my time in my life. And you're like, oh, when I do that, it just helps me relax. It, it just, it's just so fulfilling. And so we confuse serving with a hobby because, you see, serving is, is quite different. It is very different. Although we can serve in areas that we are gifted in, it may well be hard work. It may not bring any immediate fulfillment. It may drain us and it may cost us. As a matter of fact, on this earth, a, ho a serving may never leave us feeling all that thanked and, and appreciated. We may actually feel sometimes because we have served, we may actually feel burdened where with a hobby, we feel our burden sometimes like, oh, I'm so glad I spent that time. I feel so much better now. And so I think sometimes in our, in our world, in our, in our society, we mis mistake a hobby for service. And we think that service should be the same as a hobby. And I don't think that that is the way it is at all. This is why we need to have a heart of a servant. Because if we don't, we will try to serve for ourselves and I guarantee you, when you try to serve only for yourself, you will be left feeling void. But if we serve with a servant heart, a heart, and we have a servant heart, we will know that what we are doing is for a greater cause 
And although that maybe in the moment it is draining, it will energize us because we will be able to see beyond ourselves. And so without a servant heart, even though you may be serving, you may find yourself completely empty and the joy may be gone because the purpose and the reason for your service is not what it should be. So I want to look at a passage of scripture today that I believe is going to help us to see what the heart of a servant should be because it describes Jesus in the heart that he had. So turn in your Bibles if you have it to Philippians chapter 2. If you don't, it's going to be on the screen. You can get your devices out and follow along. Again, you're going to hear me say this. I would love for you to see it in your own Bible. Maybe you want to underline some things and follow along. But Philippians chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any, any common if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in mind. Basically what Paul is saying here is that if you have ever received anything at all from Jesus, like anything at all, then we are to have the same mind as that of Christ. Now that's, that's a tall order. He's basically saying if you have ever in any way been encouraged if you've ever been comforted by Jesus, if there's been ever just, you know, this, this man, I'm so glad that I'm, in, I'm connected with Christ. If any of those things have ever happened, then we are to have a mind like Christ. Look at what he said, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition and vain conceit. <laughs> That's the mindset. Do nothing out of self-ambition or vain conceit. Now let me just say it a couple more times, because it gets more awkward the more often you hear it. Do nothing out of self-ambition or vain conceit. Picture for a moment that being the approach that you had on your life, for your life. To do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. That flies against everything that we normally hear, that you should make sure that you're this, you should make sure that this is ready for you, you should make sure that you choose what's best suited for you. And Paul is saying here, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, continues on, it gets even crazier, rather in, humili in humility, value others above yourself. Verse 4. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. This is the heart of a servant. This is the heart of a servant. We aren't in it for what we can get out of it. Our focus should not be on accomplishing our own agenda in this world. Our focus is on accomplishing the agenda, on the, the mission that God has for our lives. We're not in this to somehow make a name for ourselves. So when we serve, we don't look at our own interests. We don't look at what's best for us. We don't look at what would, we would enjoy. We look at the needs that others have and we serve for them and to fulfill their needs. Paul goes on in verse 5. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ. Jesus is to be the focus of our lives. Everything that we do, Jesus is to be the focus of what we do. 
verse 6, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus wasn't focused on earth, on making sure that everyone knew that he was the most important person in the room. You've heard me say this before. When Jesus was on earth, he wasn't constantly pulling out a God card saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I'm the son of God. Move aside, I get the best seat. After all, my goodness, he's the son of God. Of course he would get the best seat. Oh, sorry, I'm the son of God, so let me go first. Or I'm the son of God, so serve me, because after all, I'm the son of God. Jesus never pulled the God card and said, treat me as if though, you know, I deserve to be treated better here on earth. Jesus did not do that. As a matter of fact, if you remember from last week's sermon, Jesus got down on his hands and knees and did uh, performed a service for his disciples. He washed their feet, something that none of them wanted to even do for, the, for each other. And here was Jesus, the Son of God, humbling himself enough to wash his disciples' feet. Verse 7, rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Instead, he made himself nothing. Have you ever turned down serving someone because you felt that it was beneath you to do? Have you ever in a moment been like, eh, I ain't helping with that because I'm ugh, gross. I ain't doing that. Imagine if Jesus had taken that approach, but he didn't. He humbled himself, came to this earth. I want you to let this sink in for a moment. God, Jesus, being made in human likeness. I'm not sure, um, though I should say, I'm not sure, I, I'm sure I don't need to remind you of this, but that is a reverse of the creation order. We see in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says, so God created man in his image. Now, God is being created in the image, or taking on the image, the likeness of a human being. The creator now allowed himself to be created. Jesus, the son of God, conceived, born, birthed, changed, washed, fed, taught, parented, confined to a small baby's body, the Son of God, seated on the throne of God, coming to live among us in that way. And then verse 8, he says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Then the unthinkable happened. Jesus didn't only come to this earth and and walk among us and perform miracles and, and declare the kingdom of God as at, as at hand. He wasn't only, you know, didn't only leave his throne, but now he was willing not only to come and dwell among us, he was willing to give his life. Not only was he born, but now he was willing to allow himself to be killed on a cross, a cross that was reserved for the most heinous criminals. Jesus put aside all that he deserved, all that he should have received, he put aside all of that to serve us, to serve you, to serve me. And Paul is saying here that that is the mindset. That is the mindset that we are to have, that our hearts always see others as Christ would see them, to put aside our desires for the sake of Christ's desires for others. We 
must take on the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. So I want to give you a challenge this morning, and I, I think it's going to be a hard challenge to, to understand at first, maybe, and definitely a hard challenge to follow through. But I trust in you. I believe in you guys. I think you're ready for this. I want to invite you to make a very difficult decision today. And here it is, to make serving a non-negotiable in your life. You just settle it today. Serving is a non-negotiable in my life. In your heart, you just simply say, I'm going to serve, and it's a non-negotiable. Especially, uh, you know, I truly believe that when we do this, this will settle so many things. There, there isn't, you know, anymore the question of do we need it? Is there a need? Uh, you know, it's simply this way. If I see a need, I will meet a need. It's not met by the same people over and over and over. It's all of us seeing a need and meeting the need. Let me give you an example of how this works in our home. In our home, we have a non-negotiable, we have a number of non-negotiables, but one of them is respect. In our home, respect is a non-negotiable, especially when it comes to respect for Maria, my wife. Our kids know that they're going to get their dad pretty fired up if they ever disrespect their mom, more importantly, my wife. And see, because that's a non-negotiable, we don't have to have a discussion about whether or not in this situation they should respect their mother or not. We don't have to have a discussion about whether or not mom was right or wrong and therefore they disrespected her or respected her. It's a non-negotiable. No matter what, you will respect your mother. It's done. It's settled. And I can tell you, in our home, that has settled so many things. As a matter of fact, our kids would hear me say sometimes, I don't mind if you disagree with me. As a matter of fact, I expect you to disagree with me. I don't even mind if you get mad at me. I know you'll get mad at me. That's what happens between parents and kids. But you'll do it with respect. That's a non-negotiable in our home. And I believe that in the church, if we would make a decision to say serving is a non-negotiable because of what Jesus did for me and how Jesus served me, so many problems and so many things in the church would be resolved. This is off topic. I didn't have this in my notes, but I can just tell you, do you have any idea how many hours and hours and hours are wasted every year in this church trying to find people to serve? Do you have any idea the amount of energy that is often spent just trying to find people to plug in when there's a need? Can you imagine if that was done and all our energy and all our time could be spent on serving others and, and just placing people, not begging, not running after, not searching, searching, searching. We could literally say, man, we've got this list of people who said, find me the right place and I'm in. The church would have so many opportunities and so many things, I believe, would be taken care of. Picture for a moment a world. Picture a moment if every single person in, in, in our world would decide that serving is a non-negotiable. Now picture for a moment if we treated other areas of our lives the way we often treat serving in the church. Just picture this for a moment. Imagine if showing up at your job was a negotiable. 
And you can just decide, nah, today I feel like it and today I don't. Let me just ask you a simple question. How well would your company do? If every single day you would show up at work and you were like, well, we'll see if anybody's here today. I think we would very quickly find that a company like that would not work very well. Imagine your team, the hockey team or the baseball team or the chess team, I don't know, whatever team you're on. Imagine for a moment your teammates, just it's completely negotiable whether or not they show up for a game or not. If they feel like it, they're there. If they don't, they're not. Or if firefighters could just decide, you know what, that house I'm putting out, next one I'm not. That call I'm answering, the next one I'm not. And if it was completely negotiable every single time, the buzzer goes off, nah, I don't feel like it. Let the place burn. Imagine if the police in our community, if it was completely negotiable if they answered 911 calls or not, it would completely cripple our community. The church is not bricks and wood, chairs and carpet, or rooms and walls. The church is people. People who need us to serve. I love how in this church, we come around people when we're facing crises. If someone is in a crisis, I, I love how in this church we come around them and love them. And we've, been, we've witnessed that again this week and we've witnessed that many, many times. But I just want to say this, not everyone's crisis is public. Almost every week, I hear about people whose lives are falling apart. Almost every week. Of someone whose marriage is close to ending or they're completely void of love. Someone whose kids are rebelling and they don't know what to do. Someone who finds out that they have an illness and they're not sure how they're going to cope. Someone who's lost a job or something along those lines. Every single week, almost every single week, somebody's life is falling apart. Now, I don't say that as a, as a negative thing. That's just life. So when we're serving, when we're caring, when we're giving our time, we are serving and caring and providing for people. And if you see yourself as serving in this church, it's like, oh, they need me to do this and this and this. I want you to hear me today that when you serve in any capacity in this church, that somehow you are caring for people. And those people may not be facing a public crisis, but they are hurting. They are weak. They are empty. They are lonely. They are lost. And they need you. I want to just share this morning just some of the comments that I have heard. And I share this not to paint some kind of, you know, sad picture, but I just want you to hear of how different people in different times have been impacted by the service that, that have been provided by this church. A young woman told me, a young mom told me, that what was sustaining them as a family was that their kids felt loved in Sunday school. I get emotional because I know exactly who I'm talking about. But this is a while ago, and this, this mom said that 
what's holding their family together right now is Sunday morning, the time that their small group leader spends with their kids. And if they go home, those kids are energized. Another parent told me that at this very moment, what was keeping their child safe was that they were connected to the youth ministry. A woman told me that if it wasn't for the women's ministry on Tuesday night that she was attending, that she would not know where to turn. And that right now, that was her way, that that night was her way of escaping the constant demand on her life. And she was so thankful for that ministry. A couple told me that if it hadn't been for the financial support of this church, that they didn't know how they would have made it through the month. A young man told me, though, uh, told me not long ago that it was the warm greeting that he received on a Sunday morning from a greeter in the hallway that made him glad that he was here and that he was so glad to be finally back in the church. People have told me that the singing on Sunday morning re-energized them. I remember this person saying, I didn't have any energy to sing, but I just sat and listened, and just the time of singing gave me new energy. I get emails quite often from people who will say, I don't attend your church, but thank you for putting your sermons on the internet. We listen to them all the time, and we are encouraged by them. So you may see yourself today as, oh, I set up chairs, or, oh, I, you know, teach Sunday school, I'm in the basement, no one ever sees me, or I'm out at a youth event, or I'm running a men's ministry, or I put bulbs in to make sure that the lights are on and all those kind of things. And I want you to know that this morning, when you serve in that way, you are serving people. Because the church is people. And we need to have a heart and a mindset that says that we will do nothing for ourselves, that everything we do will be for the glory of God. And when we make a decision to say serving is a non-negotiable, I believe that we will see this church serve more people and we will see God do a move in our midst like we have never seen before. Everywhere God has moved, ever in this world, it has been through people. And sometimes it was the smallest child. Sometimes it was the most, you know, insignificant person. And God said, I will use you at this time. And the reason God used them is because they were available to be used. They had made serving God a non-negotiable. To do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. I told you this would be a hard decision. And so this morning, I don't want you to push back. I know some of you right now, your brains are pushing back. You're saying, oh, no, 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 pastor, no way. I ain't doing that. And if this is not your church, then go bless your church and serve there. But we must all recognize this morning that God rescued us, that God saved us, that God sent his son into the world so that we would receive something we did not deserve. We did absolutely nothing to receive that favor from God. But he served. His son Jesus came and served obediently. He served dying on the cross so that you and I would have eternal life. The very least we can do now is serve one another. Amen? I invite the team to come up and
I wanted you to wrestle with it a little bit, so I'm going to give you a little bit of time to wrestle with it. I want you to ask yourself this question, if you would decide today not to serve, why? And you, told, you heard me last week, and that still stands. This is not a month of making you feel guilty. But folks, there is an opportunity here. There's an opportunity here for us to connect as a body and to care for one another as a body, to provide for one another as a body in a way that maybe, maybe we haven't experienced in a while. And I know that our church has grown and, and we have three services now and so sometimes we feel disconnected. But we still have an opportunity, even though, you know, things are getting bigger and, and we don't know everybody anymore. That's all part of growing as a church. And I, you heard me say when we moved in here, all three services, I hope one day we have eight services in here. And some of you are like, oh, I get that, I get that. But the church was never meant to stay small and comfortable. The church is the hope of the world. Jesus is not done rescuing people. And the people he used to rescue you, he now needs you to rescue someone else. And this ministry goes on and on and on. So don't sit here today feeling guilty. But I would rather that you would wrestle with the question of, if I'm not serving, why? Maybe you have some reason that's valid, and so we need to look at how we can help you. Or maybe you've just committed yourself to saying, I'm not serving. I don't know. That's why I want you to wrestle with this. And I would love that at the end of this year, this series, just from here on as we go forward as a church, that we would have a congregation of 400 plus people who would say, I'm in. If there's a need, I'll help meet that need. And the impact that we can have is incredible. But now I'm starting to sound like I'm a promotional speaker. This is between you and God. And so I want to just pray for you. And I trust that you will seriously consider deciding today that your service in the church, in the community that's serving is a non-negotiable for you. Let's pray. Father God, you know, years ago, rescued my heart from sin from hopelessness and despair that I made a commitment to you that I would go wherever, whenever, however to whoever and do whatever and I know God how often that prayer has been challenged Father, I pray that in this room today, that our hearts would all open ourselves now to you and say, if you want to use me, and you will use me, here I am. Send me. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I pray for the person who maybe feels inadequate maybe feel that they don't have anything to offer, Lord, I pray that they would see their worth through the eyes that you have, not their own. 
I pray for the person who maybe is struggling with sin and and feels that there's just too much of that stuff, that I pray that they would repent and that they would embrace and receive the forgiveness, Jesus, that you have for them. I pray for us who are maybe just lazy. I pray, Lord, that you would spur us on to know that on this earth we will face troubles and we will have hardships, but Lord, we will we will dig in and we will give it our all and that we will honor you with our lives no matter the cost. Father, I pray in this church that many would rise up now. This very day, many who have maybe sat and sat on the sidelines would say today, today I get involved. Today I will do something. Today I make a commitment to be part of the church and serve bring glory to you, Jesus, and to bring many more into your kingdom. I pray this in the name of Jesus.